Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number eight of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I am your host and humble guide, Keila Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week eight of the Wrestle Subtopia Network is officially underway, and what a time it is to be a wrestling fan. A week ago, it was business as usual, talking all things Monday Night Raw, and then Wednesday happened, and life as we knew it changed. When the NBA suspended their regular season, which created a domino effect for WWE and AEW by moving shows from big arenas to intimate locations with no fans at the WWE Performance Center for WWE and Daly's Place Amphitheater for AEW, respectively. And we was waiting for one specific domino to drop, and it was WrestleMania. There was some contention between WWE officials and Tampa Bay representatives running the city about whether or not this show would take place on April 5th, 2020 as scheduled. And a bombshell hit at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern last night when WWE made the announcement that WrestleMania would in fact take place from the WWE Performance Center in front of no fans on Sunday, April 5th. And this is due to the coronavirus pandemic that is currently gripping the United States and the world at the moment. This is a scary situation and this is a preventive measure to protect the public because it's not safe to gather in groups at the moment. Social distancing is a new term of 2020 that's in vogue at the moment and it's for the best to keep crowds away from each other and it makes no sense to be in a fishbowl at Raymond James Stadium for WrestleMania when people could get sick. That is not a good look and WWE did the right thing by pulling the plug and moving things to the WWE Performance Center which is an intimate setting with no fans. I know that just destroys the atmosphere for WrestleMania. The fans bring so much life to the show. And I think the saddest part is seeing a guy like Drew McIntyre fight for years for this moment. And to finally have a possible coronation and there are no fans there, that's disheartening. I feel the same way about Rhea Ripley, who did a great vignette a couple of weeks ago on NXT television, basically explaining how she dreamt of this moment to be at a WrestleMania and walked in the stadium in front of no fans, which would be the height of irony just a few weeks later. It's truly remarkable how things can change at a moment's notice. And we have more breaking news regarding NXT TakeOver Tampa Bay, which is not happening as scheduled as well as the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. Those things are tabled for the moment, and we don't know if and when those events will take place. But the sad irony also is that Tomasa Ciampa and Johnny Gargano can never finish this feud, whether it's an act of God or injuries. It's like this feud is never meant to end. And here's another delay once again due to COVID-19. Damn this virus to hell, but this is where we are in 2020. And we got to stand tough and stick through the situation to the very best of our abilities of being smart about it and not doing stupid shit to hurt ourselves and or others. And as for AEW, they're in the same boat as WWE until further notice, closed set tapings, Possibly, probably at Daly's Place Amphitheater in Jacksonville, Florida, AEW's base of operations in terms of producing shows when need be in that particular location in front of no fans. So that will be the protocol until further notice until we get back to a sense of normalcy. I don't know when that's going to be. Honestly, I wished I had a set date, but none of us do. And when it happens, I'm sure we'll be 
breathing a sigh of relief knowing that the worst is over and we can get back to our normal lives. But until that day comes, it's time to hunker down, sit back, relax, and try to enjoy some professional wrestling in the meantime. And as for me, this podcast will remain unchanged. I will still drop shows every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday morning for your listening pleasure at 6 a.m. Eastern Sharp. And try to fill content as WWE squeezes in pay-per-view matches randomly during each episode of Raw and SmackDown. And I'll be shocked if NXT doesn't do a takeover extravaganza on Wednesdays for the foreseeable future, which is not a bad thing. But at the same time, it does lessen the fresh content I have to discuss, which makes me wonder if WWE would be better off going on hiatus for a bit to protect everyone involved and maybe come back for WrestleMania on the WWE Network on April 5th to have everybody's batteries recharged and refreshed to try to adjust to their new normal, which is a hell of a normal to get used to. That's my only quibble. I love a lot of the promo work on the past couple of shows, but when you're throwing full-length pay-per-view matches, that's driving away viewers, and I'm really interested to see the ratings pattern when you realize, holy shit, they're airing an entire match we already saw good for the casuals who didn't watch, bad for the hardcores who did, and we have enough time to bake a cake, wash the dishes, mop the floor, do the laundry, etc., etc. in the meantime, which is a blessing and a curse at the same time. So I would suggest that for AEW as well. If you don't have two hours to fill every week and you have to throw stuff in from being the elite or from your past few pay-per-views, which is a great idea, which allows you to go on hiatus as well. I'm just thinking about the welfare of the performers traveling from all over the country to do shows and the matches aren't exactly there when we have one match or two matches per show. That's my only critique. Otherwise, the promo work from Raw and SmackDown, the past couple of shows have been exceptional. And it kicked off with Edge coming down to the ring with no pyro and him being as intense as ever, cutting an outstanding promo on Randy Orton. And what I loved about Edge's performance is that when you are performing in front of no one, the people at home, that's your audience. And that camera is your muse. That's how you get your message across. And I thought he did a great job doing that. And that's probably due to his acting experience post WWE, which is a great asset to have when you have that in your back pocket to really drive the emotional notes home. We talked about how Bob Orton introduced Randy to him 21 years ago. And he was really moved by meeting Orton, saying their paths are bound across. In WWE, it was destiny. It was fate for them to mix it up for the IC title back in 2004, selling the show left and right. It was destiny for them to become rated RKO to take out D-Generation X. It was destiny for both men's defining moment in their career, not for a championship, but to solidify their place as top tier stars in WWE by both going up against McFoley and winning some of the batshit craziest hardcore matches in WWE history, with Orton having the most definitive match of his career against McFoley at Backlash 2004 for the Intercontinental Championship in a hardcore match, and Edge doing the same in another hardcore match at WrestleMania 22 in Chicago, Illinois. So McFoley gave both men their moment. 
their moment to become stars, to become men before our very eyes in terms of doing things you wouldn't think you could do to win and winning under any circumstances. Violence was the norm in those bouts and both men came out on the other side better in my estimation and Edge did a great job illustrating those points but just alluding to it because they're so iconic and memorable and are easily accessible on the WWE network. And if WWE is going to go that route, I would suggest threading this narrative by airing both matches within the next couple of weeks before WrestleMania since we're killing time on television and you must produce some kind of content on Monday Night Raw. Definitely air those two matches, Orton and Foley at Backlash maybe next week and Edge versus Foley at WrestleMania 22 the following week, which will be the go-home show for WrestleMania. So that would be my suggestion to really drive this feud home and thread those narratives into one cohesive unit. That is just my suggestion since we're dipping into the WWE Network archives on a regular basis these days under these crazy circumstances. But anywho, Edge noted that the one thing he learned from Foley that Orton didn't was grit. The determination to come back when the odds are stacked against you. When he came back with his neck injury, he knew that he had a second chance to end his career on his terms when Orton tried to end his career on Orton's terms just a couple of months ago on Raw. And he made a great point of Orton being an entitled brat who was jealous of Edge's success. That little old me who came from nothing, that had a single mother who broke her back trying to Help me fulfill my dreams and my vision of being a star in WWE. The sacrifices she made for me to enable me to have the career I had and the success I attained each to a life because everything was handed to you. I didn't have a Hall of Fame dad give me a job in WWE. I had to earn it. And that eats away at you. And it hurt you so bad when I came back at the Royal Rumble. And I got that reaction from the people and I eliminated you. You couldn't stand it. So you tried to end my career again. And my wife, Beth Phoenix, comes out and she tries to retire from me again. And you didn't let her finish, Randy. And you know what? You talked about how I saved you from yourself, how we saved each other, how you dug yourself a hole and I pulled you out. But thank you, Randy. You pulled me out of my own hole. And because of that, I'm challenging you to a match of WrestleMania. Not any ordinary match, a match befitting of this rivalry, a last man standing match. And this is not a story of tragedy. This is a story about redemption. And my redemption is gonna be you not getting up at WrestleMania. And that closed a very strong performance from Edge who talked directly to the people at home and not to empty chairs. That is a 101 tip on how to cut a promo masterclass by Edge. He did a fantastic job. I love this element of empty arena shows because the promos feel more authentic and real and we can really hear everything that is coming from the wrestler's heart. It means something. It's organic. It's something that you can't fake. And he believes every word he's saying and it drives home the point that this is the most personal feud heading into WrestleMania. And unfortunately, it's not going to be in front of fans, which is a damn shame because I can imagine the reaction both men would have gotten inside of Raymond James Stadium. But a last man standing match, if anyone can captivate an audience of none for an audience at home, it would be Edge and Orton, two grizzled veterans who know this business like the back of their hand 
and just going out and putting in that work. I believe they can offer a dynamic performance and make it mean something. And fingers crossed, they do just that because this feud has absolutely justified it from beginning to end. Moving on to the funniest segment I have seen since Ronda Rousey, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch was arrested during the go-home show of WrestleMania last year. It was The Undertaker making his way down to the ring in like 10 seconds. He didn't wait for the fog. He didn't wait for anything. He just strolled down to the ring. He power walked and I hollered. I had tears in my eyes from laughing so hard because normally Taker takes 15 minutes to get to the ring because he walks so slow, but the performance center is smaller and intimate and the ramp is shorter. So therefore the Undertaker power walked his way down to the ring and I hollered. I have not laughed so hard in such a very long time. I was literally reduced to tears and that is always a good thing in my book. And this had to be the quickest time Undertaker has gone to the ring since he was riding his motorcycle back in the early 2000s, being the American badass Undertaker. He had a beanie on for crying out loud. Fuck the trench coat and hat. He was ready to take care of AJ Styles. He flipped the table over prior to the contract signing. Poor Jerry Lawler was supposed to officiate the contract signing between AJ Styles and Taker. And that went south immediately because AJ was too scared to get in the ring with Taker. And he was backstage cutting a very good promo on Taker saying, listen, LeBron James doesn't shoehorn his way into the NBA Finals if he doesn't make it past the playoffs. Tom Brady doesn't leapfrog into the Super Bowl if he does not win the conference championship. Here you are, it's WrestleMania season because money Michelle McCool, your wife, needs some money. So therefore she shoves you out there in your hat and your coat to put in that work and to make that money for her, not for you. And AJ wasn't having that at WrestleMania and he would ensure that he would rest in peace and called him by his government name once again, Mark. But because AJ talked so much shit via the backstage area, he tried to have Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows deliver his signed portion of the contract to Undertaker in the ring because in theory, despite the big talk from AJ, he scurred of Taker. And it was hilarious how Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows was no, we ain't going out there. This is your match. You fight your own battles. We're not here for your drama. He basically forces them to go out there like a couple of sacrificial lambs. And that's what they were. Undertaker whooped their asses accordingly, signed the contract, and the match was set for WrestleMania inside of the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. Another fun segment, which was made even better with Undertaker's power strut down to the ring. A moment I will not soon forget. Here's hoping that his entrance is a little bit more dramatic at WrestleMania, despite the small venue and intimate setting. Now moving on to my MVP of the evening, Asuka. Asuka was on guest commentary during the Rey Mysterio and Andrade match, the only actual match that took place inside the Performance Center last night, and she was incredible. She spoke in Japanese the entire time and she was a devout ride or die Andrade fan and she was very upset when he lost. And everyone basically on Twitter petitioned that Asuka and Triple H become the new commentating duo in WWE. You throw Michael Cole in there as a moderator and you have the best damn announcing crew in all of WWE and I will co-sign that in a heartbeat. Can this trio be a part of WrestleMania and call all the matches? Because I cannot imagine having 
like 50 announcers in one building. That's a little bit excessive. So we got to do what we got to do, maybe do things via satellite. But I want Oscar, Cole, and Triple H being the announce team. That would kick so much ass. I just adored this segment. The match itself was fine. Nothing to write home about. It was very quick with Mysterio hitting the 619, followed by the frog splash for the win. It was serviceable. We know both men can do so much better in front of a more lively crowd, but they made do with what they had and had a solid match nonetheless. But Asuka was the true star of this segment. We must protect her at all costs. Moving on to Becky Lynch, cutting a pretty good promo on Shayna Baszler once again, talking about their match for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. It was nothing mind-blowingly amazing, but another solid promo from Becky Lynch talking about how she is the hunter, not the hunted, and how she gets her prey at a moment's notice, and how Shayna is living a lie due to her reputation at NXT. But when you see someone like me running roughshod over Raw as Women's Champion for almost a year, that frightens you because you realize that your entire career and WWE is based on a lie and I'm going to expose that lie at WrestleMania because you can't touch me and I'm going to drop you where you stand. Very nice work by Becky once again. I would love Shayna to respond over the next couple of weeks to drive this feud home because she is an underrated promo in my estimation and to hear her talk more to put her emphasis on this feud would really end things on a high note as we get ready for the most unorthodox WrestleMania of all time in three weeks time. Kevin Owens cut a very good backstage promo, hyping his own match against Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. And he really highlighted, despite the unprecedented situation of having this match take place at the WWE Performance Center, where Kevin Owens cut his teeth to get to the main roster from NXT to WWE. He talked about his tryout seven years ago and how Seth Rollins didn't believe a guy like him fit the WWE mold, and how Kevin proved everyone wrong, that he appreciated the brotherhood he formed down at the PC with the mentors and the workers that shaped his career. And he thinks it's very poetic to go back to where it all started and to have a match at this grandest stage of them all. And I thought Kevin did an exceptional job driving home that point of making a completely bewildering development into something that is sacred and profound for him. And that really presented an interesting narrative heading into his match at WrestleMania against Seth Rollins. It made it more personal, it made it more heartfelt and meaningful. And he did a great job in three minutes just talking to the camera and not playing to anyone. That's how you grab the people at home to make us care about WrestleMania. Whether it's in a big venue or small venue, Kevin Owens in three minutes made me care and made me think, wow, the PC is this holy grail place that should host this event, that it's not as bad as it seems on the surface. And I thought he did a great job driving that point home. That was the epitome of making lemonade out of lemons and turning chicken shit into chicken salad. And now it is time for our main event segment. It was Austin 316 day, and Austin comes down to the ring and gets completely blown up by drinking beer and doing all of his mannerisms. I never saw him get blown up before and lose his breath. That was a little jarring. And 
His promo work tonight was surprisingly unlike what we saw at the Raw reunion and at Madison Square Garden a few months ago back in September. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I thought this is one of Steve Austin's weakest performances on the mic because I despise when one of my favorite performers of all time, one of the most gifted talkers you will ever see on the face of the planet, use cue cards to speak about anything and to have props in the form of Byron Saxton using numbers to rate his Austin 316 day mottos. That was bizarre to me because Austin is the realest guy on the show and I expected realness from Steve, maybe to talk about the situation plaguing this nation right now, but in a Steve Austin way that he says we're gonna put a can of whoop ass on that COVID-19 and just be relatable to the people at home that sat through a big ass pay-per-view match, sat through a lot of promo work that was mostly good in one match and to have Steve drive it home by being himself and not being overly scripted, which I felt was the case last night. And yes, there was a beer bash and he stunned Byron Saxon a couple of times. So what? Becky Lynch comes out with a cooler of beer. They share some Steve Weisers. Great. But I just felt a little empty at the end of it because Triple H did a great job at the beginning of SmackDown and at the end, reassuring the audience. And Austin, like I said, is the realest guy you can have in that building last night to really drive that point home, to make it relatable to us, to say it's gonna be all right, to put his stone cold stank on it, his seal of approval. I miss that. And it just felt very off didn't feel right. Steve coughing loogies up because he was blown up drinking beer. It was a weird sight. And I expected better from Steve Austin because he gave it to us at the Raw reunion, at Raw at MSG. He was tremendous. He was a god among men. He was the best on the mic, had the most presence, was the star. And last night, and he's still all those things. I would never take that away from him. But last night fell a little bit short for me. And that was surprising. And ended the show on an okay note. Could have been better. I know some people loved it. To me, it wasn't my cup of tea. Because I expected more from Stone Cold. Because he brings the heat most of the time. And last night, he fell short for me. And that's disappointing. Overall, we are in uncharted waters as wrestling fans and for the foreseeable future i can't properly judge raw smackdown nxt or AEW dynamite shows because they're all going to be closed set no fans and go with the flow i will say i prefer smackdown a little bit more to raw in terms of presentation in terms of triple h and michael cole having fun and making light of a very tough situation that we all needed that escape for a couple of hours. Raw was more of a chore to get through with one giant match in the form of the 2020 Men's Warrior Rumble consuming a lot of tonight's show. But in between all that, we had great promo work from Edge, Becky Lynch, and Kevin Owens. Stone Cold, as I mentioned, disappointed me at the end of the show. But overall, I appreciate the effort and the dedication to show up and to give us three hours of entertainment in some shape, form, or fashion. And I am ever appreciative of that. And if this is the norm, 
then it's something we got to get used to. But I do advise if you cannot fill out three hours with exceptions that directly correlates with the feud at a major pay-per-view like a WrestleMania, my prime example was Edge and Randy Orton's matches against Mick Foley are great tools to use to kill some time on television. If you cannot do that in some shape, form, or fashion, then I would not be opposed to going on a hiatus. I know it's tough with all of these obligations of networks, but if this situation gets hairier by the day, and it seems like it is, you might not have a choice in that matter if travel becomes more restricted across the country. So that's my only piece of advice. Do that or tape ahead to make sure you got some episodes in the bank and you don't have to worry about it for a few weeks. That is my directive, my piece of advice for both companies. If you don't have the content to feel live programming, by all means, take a break. We as fans will not be mad at you in the slightest, but we do appreciate your dedication to giving us a show four days a week. It's greatly appreciated. On that note, this wraps up another edition of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter. There you can find me tweeting about these podcast shows on the daily. And it's a great time to catch up on past episodes from January 28th, recapping Raw, AW Dynamite, NXT, and Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. You can download past shows on your favorite podcast directories, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa. I'll be back on Thursday morning at 6 a.m. sharp recapping the first AEW Dynamite without fans from Daily's Place with episode number eight of The Dynamite Effect. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday and your hump day. Please stay safe out there. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.